Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is Lock It In, a sports betting show, part of the Believe Podcast Network. And now, here's your host, Cam Rogers. And welcome into Lock It In with Cam Rogers right here on Believe, presented by BetOnline.ag. How we doing? Cam Rogers with you. Follow me on social media at Mr. Rogers 99 on Twitter at Mr. Rogers 98 on Instagram. Football season is upon us. Week one in college football is coming this weekend. Week one in the NFL, just over a week away with the Bills taking on the Rams. So really excited for plenty of football content to come right here on Lock It In with Cam Rogers. All of my best bets every single week. Big show Talking about the PGA Tour versus Live, the latest updates. We have a Live Tour event this week in Boston. I have my best bets there, plus my breakdown of Cam Smith, the number two player in the world, moving on over to the Live Tour. That is big news. Will it send shockwaves across the golfing world as we go throughout the fall season? I will discuss that. My guy, Josh Booty, former LSU and NFL quarterback, will come on the show, preview the college football season, and talk about his Bula app, which is the TikTok of challenge apps out there, is what they call it. He's the co-founder there. So really excited to welcome Josh onto the program. It's been some time since I've actually caught up with him, so we'll talk about college football and his big launch party in Atlanta for Georgia versus Oregon. That'll be at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. So it should be a really fun game there. Plus my college football week one best bets. I'll go through 10 selections for you. Give you my picks courtesy of Bet Online. They are the odds, of course, on this very show. Let's give a shout out to them. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports contests and events with first to market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and golf. Bet online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in-game betting props and futures head to bet online today or use your mobile device to join today and make your first sports bet promo code is believe 550 at the end to receive your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online where the game starts Okay, here we go. PGA Tour versus Live Golf continues. And as expected, a slew of golfers have now defected from the PGA Tour and have joined the Live Tour. Those golfers include the reigning champion golfer of the year, Cam Smith. 
World number 19, Joaquin Neiman, Cameron Tringali, Mark Leishman, Harold Varner III, Honorbon Lahiri are all now members of Live Golf. And so they have been suspended by the PGA Tour indefinitely. They will play in Boston this week for yet another Live Golf event. I will discuss my best bets on that later. But I will say this was frankly less than what I expected to hear in regards to players leaving. I thought there was going to be just this mass group of players moving on over to live after the tour championship. Because of course, if you're in the tour championship, why would you commit to live? You want to get as much money as you can, of course, and then move on to live during the fall season. Kind of surprised by the lack of players who moved on over to live. Is this a good thing? Is it a bad thing? I have no idea. But what I can tell you is live golf is not going away. Cameron Smith making this move. That's big. And really, Cam Smith leaving for live is not that big of a surprise. He was leaving breadcrumbs throughout the summer. Even after winning the Open Championship, when he was asked about Liv, he said, that's really not that good that you're asking me. What he should have said at the time was, yes, I am considering Liv Golf. The PGA Tour cannot suspend you for saying you are considering Live Golf. Now, of course, there would be other ramifications of him saying that people coming at him on Twitter. Maybe he gets the cold shoulder from other PGA tour golfers, but you're not suspended from the PGA tour. So you can still go and play and make money during the FedEx cup playoffs. So that's what annoyed me about Cam Smith, this whole tap dance that he was doing, not giving us straight answers about where his head was at in regard to live. Did he have to tell us? No, of course not. But my feelings are valid and I was annoyed about that. So that's where we're at there. Cam Smith moving on over to live, which is not surprising whatsoever. And this is obviously the biggest nugget of news outside of Phil Mickelson going over to live. The number two player in the world, the reigning Open champion, champion golfer of the year, prime of his career, 29 years old, played well during the FedEx Cup playoffs as well. So this is no longer a group of golfers who are in the twilight of their careers on the back end, trying to cash a paycheck. That category is, of course, there for Liv, Sergio Garcia, Lee Westwood, Ian Poulter. But now we're seeing a new category of players who can win on the PGA Tour now, who are now playing on Liv. Joaquin Neiman won this year on the PGA Tour way back in February at Riviera. Cam Smith won the Open Championship. Cameron Tringali had a pretty good spring and summer. Didn't win, but contended. Harold Varner III played well at times. Same did Leishman and Lahiri. So 
none of those guys, maybe Leishman, would be considered on the back end of their golfing careers, their professional golfing careers. So for Liv, this is a big move. Cam Smith joining Liv is a big move for that tour. And going forward, this fall season is going to be an interesting test in terms of viewership. Who is tuning in? Now, Liv is going up against not the PGA Tour this weekend, but college football. And from what I understand, Liv did find a TV streaming partner, so not a cable linear TV partner, but a streaming partner to distribute the programming, the live broadcast, throughout the weekend. But going forward in this fall season, Liv will be competing against the PGA Tour, college football, and the Shield, the NFL. How does Liv do with viewership in regards to that? That's the big test for them. And by the way, I've been saying this for a while, Liv needs to find an actual cable TV partner if this tour has visions of being profitable. As of right now, it is not. Now, the runway is forever because it's a Saudi-backed golf league. So, money up the roof, if you will. So... They got to find a TV partner. But again, Cam Smith joining Liv is symbolically important in the sense that we're no longer talking about golfers on the back end of their careers. This is a tour with good golfers. Dustin Johnson is still good. He played well in the majors this year. Patrick Reed can contend on the PGA Tour too. So something to keep in mind here as we go forward throughout the fall season. Big test for live and viewership coming. All right, let's talk about my best bets for the live tournament this week in Boston from Friday through Sunday. We head to the International Golf Club, a tree-lined golf course that can play upwards of 8,000 yards at its longest, kind of like Kiowa at the PGA Championship a couple of years ago. So what I'm learning about live is not to get too cute with the picks. So far in these three events, the results in terms of the top 10 finishers and what have you have been pretty chalky. So I'm going chalky for the most part with my outright selections and my matchup plays, which are available courtesy of Bet Online. My projected winner this week for this live golf event is Dustin Johnson at 7-1 to get it done. Plus 700, pretty much dominating the live tour so far, he finished third, fourth, and eighth in the first three events. You would think a win is coming next. Now, the field is tougher, of course, with you have Neiman and Cam Smith and Leishman, Varner the third. These guys are playing well right now. So for Dustin Johnson, it's going to be a harder test for him as compared to the first three events, but still seven to one. I'll go ahead and bet that. By the way, Cam Smith is the favorite at 6-1. to one. Another outright play is Taylor Gooch, 16-1 to, to get it done. Three top 10s in his first 
three starts on the live tour fifth most in birdies by the way on this live tour really good value in my opinion at 16 to 1 i will go ahead and bet taylor gooch to get it done as well so dustin johnson taylor gooch matchup plays for the live tour this week Taylor Gooch, minus 130 over Louis Oosthuizen. Same logic. Gooch is playing well. Three top tens so far this live tour season. Minus 130. I'm willing to lay the juice on that number. Bryson DeChambeau taking on Brooks Kepka in this matchup. I'm going Bryson, minus 110. Both these guys have been a little bit volatile in their starts so far on this live tour i think bryson beat out brooks once and brooks beat out bryson another time but i'm willing to go with bryson in terms of this setup here this golf course it reminds me of winged foot where of course bryson won the u.s open not too long ago so bryson minus 110 and then cam smith laying the juice here as well minus 125 live tour is chalky guys so I'm going with Smith to beat out Joaquin Neiman here. Neiman, of course, joining the Live Tour for the first time. Cam Smith as well. But Cam is just playing fantastic golf. He may laugh his way to victory this week, to be frank with you. Rightfully so, the favorite this week. I think he beats out Joaquin Neiman, minus 125. Jumping on Lock It In with Cam Rogers right now is one of my favorites. LSU NFL quarterback Josh Booty, co-founder of the Bula app, which we will talk about a lot here on this episode. He's got a big event happening in Atlanta on Friday. We will get to all of that, plus some college football discussion. Josh, what's going on, man? Man, a, a whole lot, actually. You nailed it on the head. It's always good to be with you and appreciate your friendship and everything that we've gone through together, which has been fun with Believe in the Podcast Network and, of course, Braun and Bronny Brown and all that. Oh, so yeah. I, football season, man, everybody's excited, jacked up. We're, we're launching this app, but I mean, how good is it that we got football tomorrow night, Thursday night, college football action, and then on, you know, on to week one, baby, and the weekend, it's going to be fun. Absolutely. We had a taste of it, of course, last week with week zero, but week zero does not compare to week one when you have all the big hitters playing. And uh, of course it's been great growing our relationship together and brings me back all the way to Atlanta when we first met at the Super Bowl and all that good stuff. So it's great to continue this. And I say we just get into it, talk some big storylines here around college football. I do want to start with NIL because I think it is an interesting sort of storyline to track here, Josh. And honestly, it was obviously a taboo subject back when you were playing. But where do you stand on NIL and college football and college athletics in general? I personally think it's a good thing. I think it you know, generates more excitement, more money, obviously, for these players. They deserve it. Where do you stand on this? You know, I, I'm kind of in between somewhere. I, I, I wish they would cap it a little bit, um, mm. but I do like that there's opportunity for these kids. They cannot go out and create jobs. Sometimes some, some of these kids couldn't even pay for meals when we were in college. I can remember some of the, you know, the, uh, the things that they were asking me for when I was there at, uh, at LSU because I had come from professional baseball and had a little bit of money in, in the bank. And, and they asked me all, for all, all types of things. And, I'm, you know, it kind of breaks your heart because you, you're, you're with them every day, all day. You're in the film room. You're on the practice field. You're working out. And then these yeah. guys and can I get five bucks for McDonald's or something like that? And you're like, man, you know, I, of course, man, here you go. So I, I wanted, I always wanted to take care of those guys, but now outside of 
uh, you know, fortunate, you know, guys that like me that played a little pro baseball and went back to college and had a little bit of money in the bank. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think for these guys to be able to strike deals, whether it's uh, with name and image and likeness deals, it's, it's awesome. You know, I just don't, you know, Glenn Kiffin said something that kind of, that kind of resonated with me this offseason. He said, if I'm Bryce Young, I'm testing the market. You know what I'm saying? And Bryce Young just comes off a Heisman Trophy winning performance uh, season. He's at Alabama. He's a quarterback at Alabama. There is no better, brighter spot to be in in the world. But yet he could have tested the market. Everybody's a free agent right now. And and so you've got to re-recruit the kids that are even in your quarterback room or on your in your in your team meeting rooms or on your roster. And I think that's very difficult for for coaches to have to contend with or deal with because you want to coach these guys hard. You want to you want to push them. But yet there's a fine line because, uh, you know, gone are the days of Bear Bryant or, uh, you know, Bruce Arian type of guys where where, you know, you get them and then now you can hammer them until yeah. you, you kind of chip away at, at, at creating them into the type of player that you want them to be. Nowadays, if they don't start, they're not happy, they're gone, right? So, and Bryce Young could have tested the market. He could have gone in, in Michigan or Texas or USC. I mean, they could have forked out some money. All three of those teams had great college quarterbacks at the time that are going to be representing their universities this year, but it could have happened that way, you know. And so I think in the future, stuff like that's going to start happening. And it's free agency in college sports. And you know that better than anybody. Yeah, you know, it's pretty interesting. It's kind of like the Wild West these days, Josh. I mean, if you're not getting what you want, you know, you're out of there. And so I feel like it's got to be frustrating for a head coach in terms of a cohesion standpoint. I mean, think about it. If you're a head coach, how do you deal with that? This revolving door. There's a lot of turnover. And you know, we're, we've seen it the past probably decade or so with contracts being given uh, to assistant coaches, um, you know, to floating around like defense coordinators, offense coordinators, position coaches are making so much money. They move around and to different universities. Now the players are able to do that as well, right? right? So it is an open market for everybody involved in college sports and college football in particular, because they're getting big deals, NIL deals, they're getting promised things. And, and, you know, if, 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 if I'm a two at LSU and I've got an opportunity to go to Arizona state and make a million bucks and be the one, I mean, that's a no brainer. (laughs) Even if I love LSU, it's a no brainer because it's going to fill my pocketbook up a little bit. I'm going to be playing on TV and now I'm the guy. Right. So I think it's just, people are looking for situations that are the best for them. And it's not really a team game anymore at, at, at the, at the very top. Um, you know, you still want to have success. If your team has success, that means you have success and you understand that, but it's a really, it's, it's turning into a little bit of an individual game as well uh, for these players, but it's always been like that for coaches. They'll move around in a heartbeat to get paid. So Lincoln Riley, that this year, you know, and now left avoided Oklahoma. Thank God they got Venables because he's so damn good. But, but I think that's you're just seeing it happen with the players and the coaches now, and it's a different dynamic than what we've ever seen. Also, a different dynamic right now with these conferences, Josh. We're seeing a lot of movement happening. USC, UCLA, off to the Big Ten soon. Texas, OU, SEC. What do you make of this? Are we heading toward? this two-headed monster of conferences at some point, Josh, the Pac-12 dead, Big 12 dead? I think I think so. I think in the, in the grand scheme of things, that's what they're trying to put together. And I think that's what, you know, that's why USC and, and UCLA lean towards the Big 10 and Oklahoma and Texas are leaning into the SEC because they know the, 
the you know these super conferences are going to be where it's at and they're a little bit ahead of the curve and they're plus they're getting all that knowledge because they are the biggest and baddest in their respective conferences and they bring in the most money texas is you know uh, no slouch right i mean they they, they they think they bring in more money than anybody in, in in uh in the university market uh so to speak i mean so it's it will be awesome to have them in the sec i will i played in the sec but like my brother played at sc and you think of sc you think west coast you think ocean la malibu manhattan beach you know you think of all that at sc downtown la and then then to see them crossing over now playing wisconsin minnesota michigan you know they've always played notre dame but outside of that it's never been until the rose bowl so that's going to be fun to see them embark into something that's cold weather games you know yeah. in the fall i mean in the you know in, in late november it's good that that's going to be fun for college football because uh, they're going to get a taste of that and you at ucla as well but I think we're, we are moving to two power conferences. Uh, the ACC is is strong, but they're not as strong. Big 12 is strong, but not as strong as, as the SEC and Big 10. And that's why they're saying, okay, let's fit in. We're, let's get in where we fit in and taking the strongest teams from those other conferences. So I'm kind of waiting to see how this thing even plays out with other teams now. I know it's really exciting and it's going to be really a brain twist when you watch UCLA on CBS in the Big 10 at the big house in November in the frigid temperatures. You know what I mean? It's just like crazy. <laughs> it is like, uh, I don't know. It's like, it's crazy. Yeah, I'm trying to compare it. There is no, we, we don't have, it's unprecedented. Yeah. And so nothing to really compare it to. It's like, you know, the Saints having to go to Lambeau, I guess. I, I don't know. It's just a, a, way, a way for these big programs to get together, to form alliances, to create major conferences. So every game is monstrous. And I think, when you get Texas and Oklahoma and Bama and Georgia and Florida and A&M and LSU and Mississippi State and Arkansas is getting better, Tennessee's getting better, South Carolina, Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin, you're talking about a lot of good teams in one conference. And whoever comes out of that bad boy is going to be the baddest of the baddest. So I think it's just everybody saying, you know what? Uh, put your money where your mouth is and let's see what you got. You know, and Texas and Oklahoma are going to have to step their games up. And you think at some point the college football playoff is only going to be represented by the SEC and the Big Ten. I mean, really, that's it. You know, you would, you would think. I, I'm wondering what Clemson's going to do because they're kind of the outlier right yeah. now. And because uh, they've got such a strong program, top five every year, they're the only team that's not in those two conferences that I can think of that's that high of a profile of a, of a program. So it's going to be fun to see what happens with them and if Miami can come along too. Yeah, we'll see about Miami. Cristobal there, he does a good job. Let's talk about the SEC and Alabama in particular, number one team in the country, released here with the number one AP poll uh, rankings. And so are they rightfully the college football national champion favorites here, Josh, or is there somebody else out there? I believe so. If they're healthy, they're as loaded as, as they could be. Um, you know, if they don't lose the two receivers last year at the end end of the stretch run, I think they could have beat Georgia. I think they've got a lot of guys returning. Of course, Bryce Young, Heisman Trophy candidate again, and one of the favorites was CJ, along with CJ Stroud, won it last year. Only one player's ever won it twice, Archie Griffin. I think he's going to make a run at that. Hmm. Will defensive player that is all everything maybe the first pick overall in the draft depending on how everything falls for organizations in in the nfl this fall but i think i think they're as loaded as anybody uh i think ohio state is the second best team because they've got nine returning starters on defense they had a young defense last year they did give up a lot of points if they can shore that up a little bit that offense 
with CJ, who I mentioned, Trayvon Henderson and Jigba, Harrison Jr. They got some really elite, elite players. So I think it's really a two-horse race if those teams stay healthy. Now, I'm not saying those two can't be beat. Michigan beat Ohio State last year. A&M beat Bama last year. Georgia beat Bama last year. So, you know, L- uh, Alabama doesn't have to play Georgia in the regular season. They have A&M in Tuscaloosa October 8th, which will be a monster game on TV. Uh, and game day will be there, I'm sure. And Jimbo is walking into that saving nightmare. I have a feeling. That'll be that. something. That's going to be something. But I think those are the two best teams. Clemson's going to have to take another step offensively, maybe two or three steps offensively to be able to play with those two programs in, in, in nut crunch, crunch time, you know. And and I think that everybody else is kind of under that, uh, to be honest with you. USC is kind of like, I wonder what's going to happen there. You know, they haven't been able to stop the run in 10 years. So let's see what that defense has got. We know Lincoln Riley's, Riley's going to score some points, but where's their defense at? And then I think you got everybody else. Absolutely. Alabama, of course, headlined with Nick Saban, does a fantastic job there. Uh, Talking your alma mater, LSU, we got Brian Kelly now at the helm here as the head coach. And Brian Kelly, of course, never won a national championship with the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. But still, there's a lot of optimism with this program, Josh. You were on Blake Rafino's show last night. Big LSU guy, obviously, uh, maybe to the degree of Homer. But What's the ceiling for this team, Josh, this year and then going forward in the future? Well, I love Brian Kelly. I like the hire. A lot of people didn't. He said some crazy things in the beginning. He faked his Southern accent. We all know about that, but he's a winner. And he's he's one of the winningest coaches in the history of college football. I think he might be the most active winningest coach, uh, you know, in college football over Nick Saban, which sounds crazy. He's been around a little bit longer head coach. But I think think he gives them stability, uh, discipline, uh, game day play calling and, and game management, uh, attention to detail, uh, winning mentality, uh, knows what to say, when to say it. Uh, I think he, he put a good staff together. I love Matt House, the, the linebacker coach that came and is the defensive coordinator now from Kansas City uh, from the Chiefs. He's been in Super Bowls lately. He's coached at the highest level of the NFL. You don't think those players at LSU are glued to everything he says because he was just in the Super Bowl and has been there two out of the last three years or something in high, you know, high football IQ. I think that's going to be big for LSU because we hadn't stopped anybody in two years. And, and uh, that's got to change, really. Um, we've got a great defensive front, which is going to help us on the back end of our defense and, and let them do a lot of different things and maybe play some games with offenses, especially if we can shut them down on first down and second down and make things a little m- more difficult for teams. But I think Brian Kelly's a balanced guy. He likes running the football. He likes coaching the offensive line. Those are the things that we've got to get better at. Uh, we were able to throw it several years ago with Burrow and all, all everything Jefferson and, and Chase, but but running the football is going to ha- is going to be how LSU goes. We got to establish the run. We don't have Burrow. We don't have Jefferson. We don't have Chase. Kayshawn Boutte is going to be a top ten pick. He's a receiver, but we don't have the overall talent on offense as we did two or three years ago with Burrow. So we're going to have to win it by playing great football, precise football, moving the chains, a lot like Georgia did last year to win a national championship. Baton Rouge will be rocking, of course, for week one. No doubt about that. It always is. Let's talk about some other games here, Josh. We'll get to your game, too, in Atlanta. Ohio State, though, first, taking on Notre Dame. Big test. Big early test for the Fighting Irish. And Freeman, the new head coach, of course, for Notre Dame, too. Really like him a lot. Ohio State's favored by 17 and a half in this one. This is in Columbus. Just a friendly reminder, Ohio State dropped a game against Oregon week one last year. 
So how do you see this game playing out? That might be some motivation for the Buckeyes, you know, that they came out and laid an egg last year to Oregon. And Oregon's a good team, but we saw them get beat by Utah twice by 30 in a row last year at the end of the year. So I think I think Ohio State's going to come out strong. They had a great Rose Bowl performance offensively uh, last year, and I think that's going to kind of carry over. I think they've got some really – you know, C.J. Stroud was a guy that had never played when they played Oregon last year, never started. I think now he's got a year under his belt. They're talking about him maybe being uh, the Heisman favorite, and he is in Vegas. So, I mean, you're talking about an, an offensive – a team now that's uh, established itself. Trayvon Henderson's a beast at, at running back. They're going to run the ball well. They're going to throw the ball well. They're going to move the football. Can Notre Dame keep up really is the question. Can they keep up? I love Freeman. I love what he say, stands for. I love what he's saying. But do they have the athletes to stack up against Ohio State? I think that's why Brian Kelly took the job at LSU is because he doesn't think that they've got the athletes at Notre Dame to stack up in the biggest of games. And this is the biggest of you have to go on the road to play Ohio State in the horseshoe. That's no joke. So I like Ohio State in the game. I'm thinking 49, 20, something like that. I think they really get after them good. And here's the thing with Notre Dame. I say it every year. Their margin for error is thinner because they're not in a conference. So they can't lose these games if they want to make the playoff. It's hard for them. It's so true. And they, and they, they, you know, their slate is always tough. They've got SC too. They always play some big, big games. They've got five or six on their schedule every year. You can mark it down. It's almost like a, uh, you know, a big, it's a big league schedule. It's an NFL schedule. So I, I don't discredit Notre Dame at all. I just don't know if they have the horses that an Ohio State or an Alabama or Georgia or even an LSU or an AM, I I don't think they have the horses to, to, to maintain that and then get to the playoffs and be able to run the, you know, run the tables on people. I just think they don't have enough offensively in terms of speed and, 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 and especially on the outside to, to hurt teams like Ohio State or Bama when it really boils down to it or, or scare them. Sure. Talking about playoffs here, let's go to the Bulldogs. Not between the hedges this week, Josh. We're at Mercedes-Benz in Atlanta taking on the Ducks of Oregon. Bulldogs laying 17 and a half points. Big week for you. You're going to be there. I want you to talk about this game and sort of parlay that into your launch party and the Bula app and all that that brings. I love it, man. Um, Yeah, you know, I, I look at this game. I've, I've studied it a little bit. I did some research this week. Of course, I've I watch Georgia closely because I cover the SEC a lot. And Oregon's uh, – I've talked to one of my buddies, uh, David Moretti, who was a linebacker at Oregon several years ago. And and they really like the Dan Lanning hire. They – you know, Cristobal goes to Miami. He moves on. He, he wanted to get down to South Florida. Exactly, I actually live in Miami. So, I've, I've, I've watched what's been going on here with recruiting with the University of Miami and the Canes. But I think Dan Lanning is going to be an upgrade for them at Oregon because he wants to be there. He's a mm -hmm. defensive guy that comes from the Saban tree from down Kirby Smart down, uh, which I think that's what Oregon had to do. I mentioned them getting beat twice in a row by Utah by 30. Utah didn't change anything in that second game. They just did the same dang thing and imposed their will on them. Oregon needs to play better defense. I think this is a this is a statement game for them to come out of the shoot. Dan Lanning understands what Stetson Bennett, the quarterback at Georgia, can do offensively. They don't they lost Pickens, they lost the, the other receiver, Burton. Uh to uh, Alabama, so Georgia's not going to be as good, I think, on the perimeter with their receivers, but they're going to run the rock. You know they got big horses up front. They'll reload, but what can you do, Dan Lanning, to keep that game close so that you have a chance in the second half or late in the third or, or you know, in the fourth quarter because it's going to boil down to 
you know, if Georgia just gashes them with runs, it's going to be a long day for Georgia because instead some Bennett can do his thing, his play action game, his crossing route games. They got great tight ends they can get the ball to. Uh, studs, I'm talking about studs, Bowers and Eric Gilbert and Washington, they got some monsters. So I think it's just going to boil down to can Oregon stop their run? If they can dictate a little bit of what they do offensively, then Georgia's going to be in third and long and they can't sure. just dictate the game. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to your point earlier, they couldn't out physical Utah twice last year. Do you really think they can out physical Georgia? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's what scares me. But, you know, they're going to have to just play lights out. They've got some NFL dudes on that defense, like Justin Flo, Noel, uh, Noah Sewell, like that linebacker. He is an animal. But do they have 11? You know, mm -hmm. do they have 11? It's going to take 11. Georgia, you can't go into Georgia with four or five guys and then a handful of guys that are just kind of, you know, making it work. You got to come in strong as, you know, as strong as you can be, and you got to let the hammer down. And can Oregon let the hammer down on Georgia? I don't know. Bo Nix, the quarterback there, played at Auburn. He's 0-3 versus Georgia, but Auburn didn't have as good a team as he was up against when he had those matchups against Georgia. Can he take Oregon and, and win one and pull one out? I, I, I hope it's close. I'd love yeah. a great ball game. Yeah, absolutely. 17 and a half points, the favorites there for Georgia. All right, before that game even kicks off, you got a big event Friday night for the Bula app. You're in Atlanta. You got a big launch party. Tell the folks out there about the app and, you know, the people who are local or want to fly in, how can they go to this launch party? <laughs> yeah, man, it's in the Ivy and Buckhead. It's an iconic bar on Friday night, six to midnight. It's a sports bar. It's, you know, it'll be packed to the brim, 2,000 people, which is fun. It is every Friday and Saturday during football season. And like I said, it's an iconic place in Buckhead for, for Georgia fans. But Atlanta is such an SEC town. You know, it's fun that we could do our first ever event there. We're launching our VIP launch of the app. We're going to be in the app store. So check out Bula. You can go to BulaChallenge.com and see it online but we're we're the first ever social call to action or challenge app where you can dare wager your friends on the blockchain for everyone to see blank canvas stuff memorialize it and it holds you accountable for your for your dare challenge or wager so whether it's a video game you're playing madden or i bet you can't get the girl's number at the bar or it could be <laughs> you know you could think you're your own handicapper i bet you georgia beats oregon by 21 you could set your own line uh which is pretty fun because like i said it's blank canvas stuff you created it's dude perfect jackass handicapping all rolled into one in a social environment it's, we're not barstool we're not mgm we're not caesars we're not taking a big it's just head-to-head -head action. It's trash talking, peer-to-peer -peer challenges. We love it. We love the concept. And we can't wait to show the public. Such a cool concept. All the best to you, Josh, and success Thanks. with that. And, of course, we'll be in touch for sure, man. And have a great time in Atlanta. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. And you got to get to one of our events now. I'm counting on it. I'm going to get you a Bula hat. It's on the way. I'm coming on down, man. <laughs> I'm excited. Let's turn up. Awesome. <laughs> Thanks, Josh. Thanks for having me, buddy. Okay, let's head to... My college football week one selections. Recapping last week, by the way, I picked every single FBS matchup and I went three and four. So there's my accountability check. I will be, of course, reporting on my record throughout the football season, college football and the NFL. I will be picking every single NFL game this season. So I will be sure to keep you guys posted on what I'm doing. In regards to that, let's get to 10 picks this week for the college football slate. We start with the following. 
Virginia Tech taking on Old Dominion. Old Dominion getting eight points in this matchup. This game is Friday night, 7 o'clock Eastern time. It's pretty amazing that Tech is only favored by eight points versus a group of five school. Granted, Old Dominion did beat the Hokies back in 2018, 49-35 as a 27-point underdog. Something to learn about there. Now, Virginia Tech, by the way, is 8-22 and against the spread as a road favorite over the last 10 years. The Hokies have only four returning starters on offense. That's a concern for me. The Monarchs, meanwhile, aren't dealing with much turnover on their team. Virginia Tech, I have questions at the quarterback position starting a Marshall transfer from a year ago in Grant Wells. I'm willing to go with the points here in an early season game, Thursday night matchup. Virginia Tech typically struggles in these games. They'll win outright, but I love that eight number there for Old Dominion. So I have Old Dominion covering plus eight. Western Michigan taking on Michigan State, the number 15 team in the country, favored by 22 in this Friday night matchup, 7 o'clock Eastern time. Do not sleep on these Broncos of Western Michigan, the 12th ranked offense in the country last season fantastic rushing tandem in sean tyler and ladarius jefferson michigan state should be a great team this year but i don't love this number minus 22 against a really good offense and we're not talking about east lansing in november either we're talking about just barely into september so i will go with western michigan to cover easily plus 22 in this matchup TCU taking on Colorado Colorado is a 13 and a half underdog at home this week Friday night game 10 o'clock Eastern time the Sunny Dykes era begins in Fort Worth and he's probably pretty happy because TCU has one of the highest returning productions in the country that's great news Meanwhile, for Colorado, should not be a great season for them. The Buffs have a win total of just three this year. And it's a new defensive scheme for TCU going with a 3-3-5, which doesn't fit Colorado well, in my opinion. Colorado is not exactly explosive. They were outside the top 100 nationally in explosive runs and yards per pass attempt last year. So I have plenty of confidence in the Horn Frogs here to win this game handedly. I will go with TCU to cover minus 13 and a half. Memphis taking on Mississippi State. The Bulldogs are 15 and a half favorites in this matchup. This game is Saturday night at 730 Eastern time. Interestingly, the Tigers won this matchup last year, 31 to 29. I would argue that... It was a bit of a fluky game. Seth Hennigan will take over as the quarterback again for Memphis this season. Mike Leach, of course, on the other side as the head coach, is expected to implement another pass-heavy offense this season. But don't sleep on the Bulldogs' defense. It should be pretty good this year, led by Jet Johnson, their leading tackler. Memphis is 1-10 ATS in its last 11 road games. 
That's all I need to hear. Mississippi State will cover minus 15 and a half. Louisville taking on Syracuse at the Dome. Syracuse plus four underdogs at home here this week. Saturday night game, 8 o'clock Eastern time. Quarterback Malik Cunningham leads the charge for the Cardinals offense. The offensive line should be great, by the way, returning four starters from a year ago. The issue for Louisville is that front seven. It can be pretty leaky, and Syracuse can run the football effectively. In a tone-setting game at home, give me the orange outright. Money line, plus 160 to get the victory at home here in the ACC. Number 23, Cincinnati taking on number 19, Arkansas. Arkansas, six-and-a-half-point favorites in this one. Saturday at 3.30 Eastern time for this matchup. Cincinnati, of course, coming off a super successful season, making the college football playoff. But it's hard to replace Desmond Ritter at the quarterback position. The Razorbacks, meanwhile, led the SEC in rushing a year ago and could see a lot of opportunities here this week in play action. Cincinnati's secondary lost a lot of players due to graduation, NFL, all that good stuff. So Arkansas knows how to protect the football. I see them being effective in the touchdown department, can run the football well. I don't think Arkansas has any issue this week. Cincinnati is probably not going to be ranked the rest of the season. They're 23 right now. They're going to lose this week. And then it's all over in terms of being ranked. So give me Arkansas. Minus six and a half to cover. Buffalo heads to College Park to take on my Terps. The University of Maryland, they are favorites. Minus 24 for this 12 o'clock Eastern time game here on Saturday. I'm really excited about this team's ground game. Talking about Maryland returning all five starters on the offensive line. I expect Talia Tagovailoa to be surgical on offense, making plenty of plays down the field. Mike Loxley is a fabulous coach. Buffalo is solid on defense, especially in the pass rushing department, but you can't really tee off on the quarterback if you're behind all the time, right? So I'm willing to go with Maryland to cover. Minus 24 in this matchup. Go Terps. Number seven, Utah taking on Florida. Florida at home in this one, and they are two and a half point underdogs. Saturday at 7 o'clock Eastern time at the Swamp. Prime time stuff. The atmosphere will be electric as the crowd cheers on the beginning of the Billy Napier era, by the way. But this might be the best defense Florida faces all year. The Utes have an elite offensive line, a great defensive front. Oddly, they aren't great on the road versus good teams. Just looking at their resume here, the program is 2-8 and eight in its last 10 games away from home against teams that finished with a winning record. Now, will Florida finish with a winning record this year? I have no idea. Probably not. I'm thinking 500. We'll see. Even still, I'm going to stick with Utah in this matchup. They cannot give up a loss in this game. They are pretty much already behind the eight ball being a Pac-12 school. They cannot afford to go into the swamp and lose. They will cover 
minus two and a half in this game. Number 11, Oregon, taking on number three, Georgia. The Bulldogs are laying 17 and a half points in this matchup Saturday at 3.30 Eastern time for this game. At first glance, this should be a blowout win for Georgia. But remember, Oregon versus Ohio State last year, the Ducks stunned the Buckeyes at Columbus. So keep that in mind. Oregon sports, an elite line of scrimmage, really good offensive line, really good defensive line. New Oregon head coach, of course, in Dan Lanning. But he has a tough task ahead against the Bulldogs here. There's a lot of talk about the Bulldogs losing a ton of players to the NFL, but that defense is still loaded. And what's concerning is Oregon couldn't match Utah's physicality twice last year in the Pac-12. That's Utah. We're talking about Georgia, the second best team in the SEC, Alabama number one. So even though the turnover for the Bulldogs is a bit of a concern, I think Georgia covers handedly minus 17 and a half against these Ducks. I'm thinking 24 point margin, something like that. The Bulldogs will be ready to rock. Number five, Notre Dame taking on number two, Ohio State. The Buckeyes are laying 17 and a half points in this matchup in Columbus Saturday at 7.30 Eastern time. Ryan Day has only lost two regular season games in five years with the Buckeyes. Notre Dame is not winning this game outright, guaranteed, but... Under Ryan Day, the Buckeyes are 12-7 and ATS at home and just 5-7 and ATS in non-conference games. So the question is, can the Buckeyes actually cover in this matchup? Of course, Marcus Freeman makes his head coaching debut for the Fighting Irish. This Notre Dame defense is talented, and I can't imagine them losing by more than two touchdowns here. But... The story is Ohio State's offense this season. They can't have another Oregon moment. They'll win outright, but I'm thinking the Irish have a backdoor cover here. So I'm going Notre Dame plus 17 and a half in this matchup. Ohio State is not going to lose this game, but I have a lot of respect for Marcus Freeman, for Notre Dame, that culture. Number five team in the country. I see them covering in this matchup. There you go, my best bets for college football this week. So excited for it. Big shout out to Josh Booty for coming on. Lock it in with Cam Rogers. Keep it right here throughout the football season. More golf picks, of course, and plenty of NFL and college football content. Follow me on Twitter at Mr. Rogers99. This is Lock It In with Cam Rogers, presented by betonline.ag. Take care, everybody.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.